Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 188. And today's episode brings us back to a Gen X topic. Thank you for hanging in there, those of you for whom this is not your favorite. Uh, and for whom, those of you for whom it is your favorite, ta-da! I, I have it for you. And for those of you who are just joining me on the podcast for the first time, welcome. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's not always Gen X land in here. It's uh, Sometimes it's theater land. Sometimes it's just straight up struggling artist land. Sometimes it's feminist land. Sometimes it's social media land. Um, the topics are varied. You know, I can't always come back to the artist stuff because that, that is who I am. Um, so my name is Emily Rainbow Davis. The way this works is I say a couple of things, then I read you the blog, then I'll say a couple other things, and then I'll play you a song. That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how this goes. Um, so it, without further ado, please enjoy There Will Never Be a Gen X President. A few months ago, a friend sent me an article about Gen X and the presidency, that was in the Financial Times. Write a whole series on Gen X, people will send you Gen X articles. In the article, the millennial writer expresses his admiration for Generation X, while simultaneously declaring that we are about to miss our shot to have one of our own become president. I started to write something about it, but then I let it go. It seemed to just be a fleeting, inconsequential opinion piece in the Financial Times. I can't catch every single bit of silly Gen Xery that floats by. But then this idea came up again in a Gen X-themed interview on The Brian Lehrer Show. The guest host asked Ada Calhoun, author of Why We Can't Sleep, a book on Gen X women, about this idea that we'll never have a Gen X president, and I got mad. Not because we won't have a Gen X president— I don't really care about that one way or another. But what I did get upset about is the weird ageism or bias that's built into that assumption. I also got mad because I bought it for a second. For a second, I thought it was real, that we really had missed our Gen X presidency shot. I mean, sure, I can see how Beto O'Rourke would be a classic Gen X president. Cory Booker was a little more corporation-friendly than the typical Gen Xer, but he literally ran into a burning building to save someone back when he was mayor of Newark. I liked his chances of saving us in a burning country. And I was very, very sad when we lost honorary Gen Xer Kamala Harris in this race. She's just on the cusp, being born in 1964. I had no idea that Julian Castro was Gen X until just now, And now I'm doubly sorry he's left the race. But this election is not our only shot. I don't know if you noticed, but we've got a lot of old folks running for president these days. Who's to say some Gen Xer won't win the presidency at age 80? We've got decades to deliver a presidential candidate. I mean, before I float this next idea, I need you to know that there is no world wherein I would like for this to actually happen. But Ted Cruz, a Gen Xer, I'm sorry to say, could run for president in his 80s. 
And in a cockamamie enough world, people could elect him. Please, no. What's this assumption that it's all over all about? Is it the fear that we'll be skipped again? That we'll have a millennial president before we get a Gen X one? Yeah, sure, we could, but whatever, you know? I'd be delighted to have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez before Paul Ryan. Go on, Ilhan Omer, Lauren Underwood, Sochi Torres Small, and Katie Hill. Step on ahead, my millennial goddesses. But the door isn't closed for us. I mean, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Katie Porter are all Gen X megastars, and I'd love to see any one of them with a shot at the presidency at some point. Maybe we can get Julian Castro next time? I get that we're all in the middle of a pretty brutal U-curve, and it really does pretty much feel like this is the end for us. Gen X men are knocking themselves off in droves, and Gen X women can't sleep. I see why this bias exists. Most of the dominant voices of our generation are dead. So, of course, it's hard to imagine ourselves as old. But we don't have to be president right now. I'm guessing most of us aren't interested. Given the current one in office, I'm not sure the presidency is quite the pinnacle of accomplishment it once was. But maybe, if we can survive past this year, we can prepare for a Gen X presidency in the year 2032. Or, you know, whatever. Really, though, I give no shits about whether or not we get a Gen X president. The position has been a bit devalued these last couple of years, and I'm not sure it's worth the wanting. But the conversation around it matters because of the ways it reveals our thinking around stuff like this. I think a lot of us think the game is over because A, we have some kind of intense generational nihilistic tendencies, and B, we grew up in a youth culture, not unlike every other generation still alive. Ever since the Who hoped to die before they got old, we've all seemed to think that was a reasonable position to take. The culture glamorizes youth and sends the old out to pasture, and here we see the evidence that somehow, if we fail to elect a Gen X president in 2020, we will have missed our shot. Now, the nihilist in me can fully understand that 2020 may in fact be the last election we ever have at all, But in that case, all the generations have lost, not just Gen X. But like I said, this isn't really about the presidency. This is about counting us out across the board. It's not over just because our youth is over. People can accomplish great things in their 40s and 50s, just like they could in their 20s and 30s. And they can go on to accomplish great things in their 60s and 70s and even their 80s and 90s and on. This notion of having missed our shot is incredibly damaging. It sneaks into most of us, this sense that it's all over now. We are vital. We are potent. We can do whatever any other generation can do. Come on now. There are decades to come for the Gen Xers who can hang in there. One of them could be president. It might mean less or more by then, but it could happen. Don't count us out yet. We've got 
decades until you can say there will never be a Gen X president. Talk to me about this again in 50 years. That's when I'll concede the point. So yeah, there are no more Gen Xers left on the current playing field for the Democratic nominee. But uh, like I said, that don't mean nothing. It's so weird to me how many, how, like I, so many people took this idea seriously. It's weird. I don't know how an idea that is like this gets planted and then travels. It's like a weird contagion. I, I don't I, I don't get, I, I just like, I don't get it anyway that's why I had to write this thing because I was like wait, hang on hang on hang on hang on just hang on come on yeah uh so um I was trying to figure out what song to sing here and uh the song that I have chosen is by Ani DeFranco and I chose this, an Ani DeFranco song um, because in all of my many conversations about Gen X and Gen X theater and all kinds of other stuff, um, I had a conversation uh, with a musician where the conclusion was like, Ani DeFranco is is actually the even more than like the typical people that that we say are representative of Gen X. Actually, Ani DeFranco is the most representative, even beyond. Kurt Cobain or any of those kind of David Foster Wallace types that she kind of embodies the, the, I don't know, the, uh, no thanks, I'll do it my way, (laughs) Gen X quality, um, in that she, you know, decided not to join with, uh, a record label. That's not how you say it. What do you do? You sign with a record label, um, and start her own and, and kind of just do everything, outside of the bounds of, um, institutions. Um, so on that level, she's like quintessentially Gen X, I think. Um, so I figured for, for this last Gen X post, I say last, like it's really going to happen. Like I've already come on, but it's the last one that currently exists. So for this Gen X post, I figured a Nana DeFranco song would be good. Um, and the one that I have chosen is a song that kind of, I, I feel like demonstrates a kind of political uh, awareness that at the, the, okay, so the song is Every State Line. And so, you know, it's about living in the United States, um, which I thought would be appropriate for this post. Um, and it's not unproblematic now, I have to say. I, I don't want to, like, poison you against the song before you listen to it, but I also sang it with some recognition that that there's, that it's from a an earlier time, but, and also maybe uh, a less intersectional time. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm exactly using the intersectional in its exact academic sense, but I feel like it is certainly the concerns of a young white woman um, and not the concern of a person of color. So like there's this whole, there are these two lines where she says there's, there are, there's a thousand shades of white and a thousand shades of black. And I, I just feel like in the current state of the world where 
being black will get you shot by the police at an exponentially larger rate. I mean, the numbers of white people shot by the police are, are much, so much smaller. Um, so it just feels like a little bit now, I think at the point that she was writing it and singing it and, you know, performing it back, you know, in the early 90s, I want to say, um, it was perhaps more, uh, I don't know what it was like then. I don't know. But there is a, it just, I'm, what I'm saying is there's like, it's complicated is all I'm saying. I think her point is, t- is well taken and that the police are sometimes a danger to us, um, especially when they are uh, heavily armed. So that is all true uh, now as it was then. So um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention those weird complications before I sang it to you. And then I'm going to give you a little break so you can forget all about it and then just enjoy the song in a second. Um, I decided to go with the sort of original conception that she did of the song where she just sings it a cappella. Um, there is a, a version that I messed around with where she um, sort of takes it apart and plays along, but I just went with the old school. So that's coming up in a moment. Meanwhile, if you uh, enjoy the podcast, that's so awesome. Thank you. Um, if you feel like you want to tell someone about it, awesome. Helps a lot. Uh, sharing on the social medias, etc. Um, if you feel like you can contribute financially, that is also amazing. You can join me on Patreon. I'm at patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. Um, and at the end of the year, if you are one of my patrons, you get a zine and you get all the songs kind of bundled up together. Um, and then there's also PayPal and Kofi and all of those links are in the show notes. So if you want to go to any of those places, you are more than welcome. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. And here is Ani DeFranco's Every State Line. I got pulled over in West Texas so they could look inside my car. He said, are you an American citizen? I said, yes, sir, so far. They made sure I wasn't smuggling someone in from Mexico, someone willing to settle for America, because there's nowhere else to go. Oh, and every state line is a new set of laws, and every policeman comes equipped with extended claws. There's a thousand shades of white. And a thousand shades of black But the same rule always applies Smile pretty and watch your back I broke down in Louisiana And I had to thumb a ride Got in the first car that pulled over You can't be picky in the middle of the night He said, baby, do you like to fool around? He said, baby, do you like to be touched? I said, maybe some other time. Fuck you very much. Oh, and every state line is a new set of laws. 
And every policeman comes equipped with extended claws. There's a thousand shades of white and a thousand shades of black. The same rule always applies. Smile pretty and watch your back. I'm in the middle of Alabama, and they stare at me wherever I go. I don't think they like my haircut. I don't think they like my clothes. I can't wait to go back to New York City, where at least when I walk down the street, no one ever hesitates to tell me exactly what they think of me. On every state line is a new set of laws. And every policeman comes equipped with extended claws. There's a thousand shades of white and a thousand shades of black. But the same rule always applies. Smile pretty and watch your back. Little town in Pennsylvania, there was snow on the ground. I parked it in an empty lot where there was no one else around. But I guess I was taking up too much space as I was trying to get some sleep. Because an officer came by anyway and told me I had to leave. On every state line is a new set of laws. And every policeman comes equipped with extended claws. There's a thousand shades of white and a thousand shades of black. But the same rule always applies. Smile pretty and watch your back.